During this Lent season that will start on next Wednesday, Valentine's Day, um, we have been going over scriptures, uh, really want to embed in our hearts uh, the word of the Lord. And so uh, during morning prayer for the last two weeks, we are going through Psalm 119, 16 verses at a time each week. And it's going to take us right through the Lent season. So we want to encourage you to meditate on Psalm 119. It is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. And uh, this week we go from verse 33 to 48. And so we want to encourage you to really bathe yourself, soak yourself in the word of the Lord. As I said, um, we're going 16 verses at a time each week, and it will take us to the uh, end of Lent season. Amen. Amen. And so I want to teach you a scripture right now. You can get out your cell, uh, your cell phone so you can remember the tune for those of you new here. We try to, I try to turn the scripture into a tune so that way it'll help you memorize the scripture. I'm not trying to win a Grammy Award, just trying to help you with the scripture. So there's a psalm that says, Psalm 119, verse 18. It says, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And that's what our prayer should be before we read the scripture. God, I need you to open my eyes. Even if I read it a number of times, I need you to open my eyes. And so we're going to try it. Everybody ready? Goes like this. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy love. Psalm 119, verse 18. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy love. Psalm 119, verse 18. One more time. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy love. Psalm 119, verse 18. Remove the screen now. Remove the verse. Here you go. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold. Open thou. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold. Wondrous, wondrous things out of thy love. Wondrous, wondrous things out of thy love. Where's it found? Psalm 119, verse 18. Psalm 119, verse 18. One more time. 
open thou mine eyes. Watch me. Open thou mine eyes. That that I may behold wondrous things out of thy love. Psalm, Psalm 119, verse 18. Give yourselves a hand. That was very good. Luke chapter 3, verses 1 to six Luke chapter three verse one to six but in the middle we'll put in there uh, Matthew chapter three verse four so you can understand the context reading from the passion translation it says a powerful message from God came to John Zachariah's son when he was living out in the lonely wilderness Matthew chapter 3, verse 4. Now John wore clothing made from camel's hair, tied at his waist with a leather strap. And his food consisted of dried locusts and wild honey. That was his food. Locusts and honey. He said it with me. Locusts and honey. Luke chapter 3, verse 2 through 6. The pro this prophetic commission came to John during the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, son of Caesar. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea at the time, or at that time, and Antipas, son of Herod, was governor over Galilee. This happened during the days of two high priests, not one. There should only been one, but there were two, Annas and Caiaphas. So John went preaching and baptizing throughout the Jordan Valley. He persuaded people to turn away from their sins and turn to God for the freedom of forgiveness. This was or his message, his his preaching was to fulfill what was written in the book of the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah wrote this in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 to 5, and he says, Listen. You will hear a thunderous voice in the lonely wilderness telling you to wake up and get your heart ready for the coming of the Lord Jehovah. Every twisted thing in your life must be made straight. Every dark way must be brought to the light, wrongs righted, injustices removed. Every heart of pride will be humbled low before the Lord. Every deception will be exposed and replaced by the true blessing generation so that everyone everywhere will be ready to see the life of God. I want to speak to you on a subject, locusts and honey. Locusts and honey. Locusts and honey. Um, if I could uh, borrow your two grandchildren, uh, Sister Linda, Yes, and if, if you can just sit there just for just one minute, just one minute, literally a minute. Uh, the Old Testament ends with Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. 
And it says, the writer says, his preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. If I don't send this person to preach to turn hearts to of a father to the children and hearts of the children to the fathers, then I'm going to have to release and allow the curse to take place. And so that's why God sends this man, John the Baptizer. There's two major Johns. There's John the Apostle who wrote uh, the Gospel of John, who wrote the, the letters of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and who also wrote the book of Revelation. But then there's John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. And God says, I need to send this man or else the curse will just run rampant. Uh, the word curse has two definitions here. And it's very frightening. Uh, one definition means to, to blunt the nose, to, to blunt the nose, to break the nose. And what it's saying here is the curse is that the fact that the nose represents discernment. That's why many times you walk in some place, you're like, what's that, what's that smell? You follow what I'm saying? Uh, Carrie Newhouse once said, uh, when he walks into a church, he, 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 he asks himself, what does this church smell like? And what the frightening thing of that comment is that he says, I can walk into some churches and it smells like 1980. I can walk in other churches and it sounds like 2018. It smells like 2018. And you know how it is. Sometimes you can walk into a church. Many times you go to a funeral or something and you can tell like you heard a song that you haven't heard in like, you know, decades. And everybody's dressed a certain way. You realize, wow, I haven't been in this atmosphere in a while. It smells like the 60s. Amen. And, and so it's a discerning thing. But this word, um, this word curse also means a net, a net to capture, to trap the mind. Because the Bible says in, in, um, in, uh, Proverbs 27, verse 3, 23, verse 7, it says, as a man, 27, 23, verse 7, yeah, as a man, King James Version, as a man thinks in his heart, that's who he is. And, and, and so that's why it's very important, and, you know, Linda, you should be honored, because it's very important that children know the word of the Lord. Are you with me? Because what the devil tries to do is at an early age, he puts a net over them, and it becomes the curse. Okay, and then as how old are you? I'm ten. I'm ten. So now he's when he he becomes twenty, and because the curse is on his life, and he's trying to get free, he's trying to live for God, but he can't because his mind has been trapped for years to think a certain way. And say this young lady, she's gorgeous, she's pretty, but she has this trap over her head now that basically says your only worth is in your looks. Your only worth to anybody is how gorgeous you are. You know, do you have good hair or bad hair? Are you light skin or dark skin? Y'all ain't gonna say nothing up in here. And so there's the trap and 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 the Bible says a man thinks is in the heart. That's who he is. 
And so what we're trying to do, the Bible says the only thing that can destroy the bondage of the enemy, the only thing that will set us free is the truth. Okay? Is the truth. Jesus said in John chapter 8, 31, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Make you free. Make you free. Not set you free. Make you free. Make you free. In other words, in other words, I can make you, I can set you free, but you may not want to walk out. But make you free means God will grab you with the truth and, and, and bring you out because you can't unsee what you saw. You can't unsee what you saw. In other words, once this young lady knows I'm beautiful no matter what shade I am, no matter whether I have long hair, dark hair, green hair, purple hair, I'm fine all by myself because God says I'm fine, then she's set free. She, she can no longer return to light skin, dark skin, long hair, short hair, fat, thin, whatever. Now she is set free from that because you cannot unsee what you saw. Once you get an image of how much Jesus loves you, you're no longer bound by stuff. So that's a good place to clap. So John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so that's why the Bible says the thing that will set you free is the word of God is quick and powerful. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Sharper than what? Any two-edged sword. See? See? So the word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. There's two-edged swords here. This is not a sword, but two edges. And it said dividing asunder soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and the word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it is the word that will set her free. And the reason why I say you're to be commended is because every time you bring them to church, they get an opportunity to get their minds molded by the word of God instead of the word world's thoughts. Amen. Amen. You know it pays. I always, I owe you another dollar. How many of you, when you were raised in Sunday school, you got, you were, you learned to think a certain way, and it kept you from doing something crazy? Amen, amen. You can hear your Sunday school teacher's voice or your parents' voice saying, "Don't do that." And so John is coming with this message to turn people's hearts. He, he's turning their hearts from the lie. For example, one of the lies that he, he, he's preaching, he's preaching a message, turning people's hearts, or changing the way people think, because his main message is repent. Are you with me? Repent, meaning change the way you think. Change the way you think. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1-2, he says, be transformed by what? The renewal of your mind, the way you think. Are you with me so far? This is going to help some of you. So what's the lie that they believe? The lie that they were believing in Matthew chapter 3, verse 9, the lie they were believing, which is why John had to teach this truth to get this net off of their head, to get some discernment in them. The lie that they were believing is that, well, because we are the descendants of Abraham, we can do anything we want and we'll still be blessed. And that lie is still the place, still in place. I can be a deacon and, and send my brains off, but as long as I'm a deacon, I'm going to heaven. Amen. You don't go to a church like that, do you? So, so the point is, is that I that that just because you you go to church doesn't mean you belong to Jesus. Just because I walk into the garage where my mechanic is fixing my car doesn't make me a mechanic. Mm. 
And just because you walk in the kitchen, sure enough, doesn't make you a chef. Mm. So John has to preach this sermon, but the, the thing that makes up John is what he consumed. His diet was locusts and honey. And what's going to make you as an individual, what is making you now, is that you have to consume a diet of locusts and honey. If you're going to be effective, you have to regularly eat of and understand that your diet for your ministry is locusts and honey. Mm. Let's talk about locusts. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, um, uh, I think I have an image here of a locust, of grasshoppers. And how many of you, when you were a kid, used to go, you know, in a field in the backyard and you and you caught a grasshopper and then you uh, uh, put it in a jar and poked a hole in it? Okay, and, and you know, you, we're, we're ignorant as children, like the like the grasshopper was saying, "Oh, thank you very much. My living quarters are much better now." No, everybody else is free, but I'm just so grateful to be in this jar, cramped up like this, you know, in solitary confinement from my friends. But we, you know, kids, you just don't know. You, you're happy that you caught a grasshopper. And one grasshopper is nice, but then when they kind of get together, they turn from a nice little grasshopper to a plague, a, a pestilence. The Bible calls the devil the Lord of the flies. He is the Lord of the pests. And what ends up happening is that these locusts, they eat and consume everything that is green and everything that is growing. And then when they get through, you have, I think there's a picture on the left. picture on the left shows how wonderful and green things were. And then the picture on the right shows what happens when the locusts come through and devastate the land. And you may say, well, why do I need to consume that? Locusts, when you look at the scriptures, locusts, it, it, everywhere you look at locusts, you, there's pestilence, there's destruction, there's devastation, there's pain. Exodus chapter 10 talks about when Moses called the locusts into Egypt and they destroyed everything. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 38 was one of the curses that God released when if they didn't stay uh, true to the covenant. Joel chapter 1, verse 4, and Joel chapter 2, verse uh, 25. In fact, Joel 22, verse 25, I'll talk about that later. But God says something very powerful in Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse thirteen and fourteen. He he he, Mo, not Moses. Uh, Solomon's praying, and God responds to Solomon's prayer, and He says, "Solomon, if I allow the locusts to come to destroy everything you have, if my people, who are called by my name, would what humble themselves." And pray. The, the locust pestilence will cause you to humble yourself because God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. He gives sustain and grace where you, where you get through stuff that you people said, I don't know how you got through that. 
And then there's successful grace, there's sustaining grace, and there's successful grace, meaning we call it favor. Are you with me so far? And, and so um, the point I'm saying is that everybody here has locusts that they're going to have to eat if they're going to be effective. And locust represents pain. Your greatest ministry is produced from your pain. The greatest part of your ministry is produced from pain. Because pain opens up your heart to God and it opens up your heart to people. Are you with me so far? Many of us are trying to run from our pain. We don't want to deal with our pain. And because of that, our ministry is not as effective or as authentic as it could be. Because we don't want to open our lives for people to see our pain. Because if I show you my pain, if I show you where the locusts just run rampant in my lives, would you still think the same about me that you did before you knew? I like what uh, what uh, Bill Hybel says. He has this term that I believe made Willow Creek a fantastic church. He said, everybody has a desire to know, but also to be known. Yeah, I, I want... I want to know you, but I want you to really know me. I want you to really know that my father left me when I was three years old. I, wanna, I want you to really know that I was born out of wedlock. I want you to really know that, and the list goes on and on, I, 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 want, I want you to understand where I have been. And when we minister out of that pain, when we minister out of the devastation of the locust that has just, that we look at God and say, why did you allow this, this, this plague to run rampant in my life? God's attitude is, I was with you. And is that Beulah? You just come here. God is saying, I, I, was with, I was with you when you failed, and I was with you when you flunked out of school, and I was with you during all that pain, and, and you may have thought that you made it through, but I was carrying you. I was carrying. And the only reason why you're still around is because I kept my word that I would never leave you Amen. nor abandon you. This morning, uh, I got a call. Um, well, we got a call that Vanessa was rushed to the hospital again. And so she's there right now. And um, thank God for her wonderful roommates, etc. And there's a part of me that's like, oh, God, when is this? You know, she's 28 years old. When is this going to stop? And yet the law was saying, but you have become more sympathetic more empathetic. 
I've made you a better pastor because of Vanessa. And what you have been through has made you a better you if you allow the Lord to do what he said in Joel chapter 2, verse 25. He said, I will restore the years that the locusts have stolen. I'll restore everything the devil took from you. And the Bible says, I will make the thief, the devil's a thief, I will make him pay you back seven times more than what he stole from you. But I need you to stick with me until I finish my masterpiece. Are you with me? Let me hurry up here. Then there's honey. You need, there's the locust, meaning your ministry, your pain, your the stuff you've gone through. And how many of you have honestly found that you have, when you humbled yourself, when you humbled yourself, when you, when you, when you did not allow yourself to become bitter and angry, once, once you fought through all that, that you found, your, 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 you found yourself to be more graceful with other people. You, you found yourself to be more sympathetic. You find yourself to be more patient with people who don't who can't get their act together because in all honesty you saw how you behaved in the midst of your pain. And then there's honey. And the honey is the word of God. Psalm one Psalm nineteen verse nine to eleven talks about the word of God being honey. Psalm 119 verse 103 says, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Your words are sweeter than the honey to my mouth. Ezekiel 3 verse 3, the angel says, Ezekiel says, I ate the scroll and it tasted like honey. John the apostle in Revelation chapter 10 verse 9 to 11 talks about the word tasting like honey. In other words, the honey of the word, it will sustain us, will sustain us through difficult and painful times, but the word will sustain us so that we can be sustainers for others. The Bible talks about Jonathan and how he was battling and, and, being, and, and worn out and, and couldn't fight anymore. But then he, in 1 Samuel chapter 14, he had some honey and it sustained him. It had brightened him up. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 and Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3, he's quoting Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's why I love the Bible uh, the junior Bible quiz group, because we're putting the word in them because that word, that honey is going to sustain them through their lives. Are you with me? And, and so uh, one of the things I want to say, and then I'm gonna, I have somebody who's going to come up here and, 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 and exemplify so and give you an example of what I'm talking about. So John, he, he, he ministered out of his pain. Only Lord knows how long he was in the wilderness by himself. People looking at him weird. Why, you know, why are you looking like that? And, he, and yet he is walking in his prophetic word. 
The Bible says you're going to have the spirit of Elijah. So he dressed like Elijah, and yet people looking at him like, why are you doing that? And he sustained himself with the word of the Lord. And I want to challenge us as we go into this new season. Pastor Chandler, we had an incredible service last Sunday. Some of you were there. I was there for all of it, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Service started at 11.30 a.m. We didn't get out of there till 11.15 p.m. Yeah. People, about 100 people received prophetic words. It was powerful. It was amazing. But the point is, is that what do I do with that word? Do I record and say, yippee, that was nice? No, God is saying that you, what you need to do is turn that prophecy into a prayer and do battle with it. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 to 19, it says, So Timothy, my son, I'm entrusting you with this responsibility in keeping with the very first prophecies that were spoken over your life and are now in the process of fulfillment. With this encouragement, use your prophecies as weapons. As you wage a spiritual warfare by faith, for there are many who are now destitute of faith. So what you should do, instruction, what you should do, take the prophecies that you have on your phone, transcribe them into a written form, and then read them as prayers to the Lord. Now, the greatest prophecy, for some of you who say, oh, I'm busy channeling and give me a word. You didn't give me a word. And God said, yes, you got a word. You got a word. In fact, you've got 66 books full of words. Yes. Say amen. Yes. Stop waiting for a prophet. Oh, I can't get a word till the prophet comes off. Oh, Bishop, <laughs> when are you going to have the prophetic team? Come on, hurry up, hurry up. You know, and the service is over and the prophetic team is here. And they're ready. He said, go. Give me a word. No, God wants to speak to you through his 66 books of prophecy. Well, where's that found? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19 to 21. Paul says, Peter says, we have a sure word of prophecy, and it's the scriptures. So not only should you pray the prophetic words that you receive, pray the scriptures. The prayer I pray over you almost every day is, is found in, e in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says, I cease not to pray for you, make a mention of you of my prayer, that the, I pray that the Lord of our God, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you would know the hope of your calling. I pray that regularly. I don't make that up. That's in the scriptures. I want to call somebody up here right now. And then after that, we will release the Sunday school choir and we'll pray. I'm going to ask somebody to come up right now. Because you don't believe me. <laughs> and I'm going to ask them to come and they're going to read for you their regular prayer. And then share with you why he does it. And what and what what effect it's had on his life. And so, Brother Jamal, why don't you come on? Why don't you give him some love, folks? Okay. Thank you. 
if you don't have a foundation, um, you'll blow in the wind. The things that are external will control you when they feel like it. Bishop um, gave this, uh, what, what I'm about to read to the church uh, many years ago. Um, about seven years ago, uh, my sister um, began battling cancer. And, um, you know, the, the anger and the stress that I experienced from that um, began to seep into to every part of my life. Um, and I, I needed a foundation to start my day uh, that was very different than what was playing over in my head. So uh, I, I took, I, I found um, the, the document that the bishop gave us, and, and I, I put it on the mirror um, next to, uh, or on the, on the wall next to my, my bathroom mirror. Um, and I, I just began to, to read this. Every day, I, I remember Bishop, you know, saying in a sermon, you know, sometimes you you can't give praise um, because of the hurt that you might be feeling at the time, and, and you might just need to turn on a gospel song and, and let that song give praise for you, so that you can feel that. Um, and and so just every day, as I was living through um, that pain, as I was going to the chemotherapy with my sister, as I was experiencing that. I would read this. I got to be able to see to read this. <clears throat> Today is a good day, for this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I am blessed because I trust in the Lord. I am healed because by his wounds I was already healed. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus who loves me, for greater is he who is in me than Satan who opposes me. I have victory over sin because I am dead with Christ. I have victory over death because I am raised with Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. I have no need for Christ has supplied them all. I'm not intimidated for God has not given me a spirit of fear. He's given me his spirit of power, love, and soundness of mind. I have no fear because I have perfect love. I'm not confused. God is not the author of confusion, but he is the author of peace. I have the wisdom of God to make the right decisions today. I have perfect peace because I trust in the Lord. I am an overcomer because of the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ and the word of my own testimony. I declare war on Satan. Although I live in a human body, I don't do warfare with my human nature. The weapons of my warfare are not human. My weapons are spiritual and they are mighty through God himself. These weapons pull down strongholds, bring down vain imaginations, and every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God. These weapons capture every thought and make them obedient to Jesus Christ. I will not lose, for God has given me victory through Jesus Christ my Lord.